the nature of weightlessness, ionizing radiation and psychological isolation need to be better understood in order to make spaceflight safer for astronauts of the future when we venture off to the moon, to Mars and beyond. The Interplanetary Podcast. The exploration of space for the benefit of all mankind. Your hosts here in London, Matthew Russell and Jamie Franklin. And just to check, where was he from? Uh, Canada, but I can only do the word a boot. A boot in ca- Canadian. Yeah, there's not. Yeah, yeah that's. A, that's I'm, a I'm not very one. good otherwise, but yeah, you know, I tried. I liked it. I liked it very much. What a legend, um, Matt. So cooped up in a few tiny rooms, handful of other people, months at a time, with only access to video calls to loved ones. Is this beginning to sound familiar of a certain situation? Yeah, do you know what? I, I, I'm I'm getting quite bored of precisely that situation, yeah. Jamie. And how how long have how long has the lockdown been so far for us Brits? Oh uh, has it been a month yet? Is it five weeks? I don't know. I have no idea. I've actually lost track of time. I'm gonna say five weeks. Is, um, so look at this chap on the screen, Jamie. This this is a guy who was part of the Mars five hundred. Yeah, who did this for 520 days, which I think is pretty impressive. Absolutely, it's very uh, impressive. So, so yes, this uh, I think we've we've had a small taste of what it might be like mm. to go on a trip to Mars. Do you want to see what that trip to Mars looks like? Hell yeah, I do. Oh hell yeah! Here we go. So yes, this like you said, Jamie, this is going to be about the journey. Look at that. Oh, so 2020s. We were we were here last week. The last time we were at the space store, and it wasn't last week. It was a what six months ago, I reckon. Yeah, we had a big old big old chat about Artemis. We did, yes. Which 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 really is a return to the moon. But as you'll see in the logo itself, it kind of has a red line that represents yeah. the fact that really it's about going to Mars. See, I didn't even realise that, Matt. You taught me something mm, last mm, time. Mm. Yeah, absolutely. And Trump, uh, in one of the most hilarious meetings of all time, and you have to watch the video of when uh, Michael Collins and Buzz Aldrin visit Trump on the 50th anniversary of the moon landings. And uh, this is what Trump... (laughs) Trump sort of turns around to uh, Michael Collins and says, uh, so uh, uh, what do you think about going to the moon? Is it beautiful? Is it beautiful? And Collins replies, uh, Mars Direct, uh, bypass the moon altogether. And Trump replies by looking at Jim Bridenstine and says, I mean, who knows better than these people? They've been doing this stuff for a long time. What about the concept of Mars Direct? And and poor old Jim Bridenstine had to answer that after basically the whole policy of going yeah, to the moon. This is this is the thing. And then Matt, June the seventh, Trump went on to tweet: NASA should not be talking to talking about going to the moon, uh, arguing that we had already been there fifty years ago. Of course, they should be focused on much bigger things we are doing, including Mars, of which. The moon is part. Yeah, yeah. He got. He, he did get all quite... kinds of things off, didn't he? <laughs> of which the moon is part. I, I'm going to give him the charity and think, yes, the Artemis, the moon is part of the Mars mission. Yeah, right? that's so kind of what I'm going to give him being, that. Matt, he was being sarcastic. He was being sarcastic, that's it. Yeah. Um, uh, so, yes, uh, th- there was a little report, a, a little time before that, by the uh, Institute of Defence Analysis 
by the Science and Technology Department, and they had essentially had looked at NASA's mission to Mars and had been very, well, what shall I say, very dismissive of the timelines. And mm. we shall get on to why. So let's have a let's have a kind of little look. So at the moment, uh, how are NASA planning to do this, Jamie? So NASA plans uh, set forth the following steps for, of course, human missions to Mars. Number one, testing of advanced spaceflight technologies on the International Space Station, the ISS. Well, they're going to attempt some cis-lunar flight testing using mm -hmm. SLS and the Orion multi-purpose crew vehicle. Not that either of those two haven't been massively overspent already. And of course, they're hugely delayed and, and COVID is not helping. What about construction and operation of the gateway? Yes, well, the gateway. See that one's still up in the air whether that's even happening. But we'll have we'll have a little chat about that in a second. We will. There, we will. Uh, there's, now this is the big one, and and I'm amazed how little gets talked about this. And we'll talk about this a little bit in detail. Is the deep space transport or the Martian transport, oh, the yeah. DST, uh, and it doesn't stand for um, Dubai summertime. Uh, yeah, so that will. Be <laughs> <laughs> Sorry to anyone calling in from uh, Dubai. Do they have a summer? I don't know whether they have a summertime, but who knows? Just one long summertime. Uh, so, yeah, that is true. Uh, so yes, they're going to be checking out uh, that on a on a sort of checkout mission uh, and testing of the DST on a year long flight beyond the Earth Moon system, referred to Matt as you know mm. the Shakedown Cruise. Are you going to write a song called the Shakedown Cruise? I think definitely a verse and a chorus are popping into my head. Excellent. Yeah. It should be a dance with it. Oh, definitely. The Shakedown Cruise. There we go. Um, yeah, so we've got uh, a human orbital trip comes after that. And this is the big one. This is what we're going to be talking about. The human oh. orbital trip in the 2030s. And then followed, Matt. Yeah. Followed mm -hmm. by human landings on the surface in the 2040s. Yeah, 2040s. So we're still quite a long way, aren't we, up from uh, we a possible Mars landing. So don't get your hopes up too far unless – obviously, there's there's quite a few competitors like Elon Musk. But let's face it, in the last few days, Elon Musk has not been the person to trust <laughs> very <laughs> he, much. He does love to get wild on, on the tweets. Matt, so, should we talk about the gateway a bit? A little bit, yeah. I mean, this, this, this one's very much in the air. So, so where do we start? Well, it's supposed to be assembled in the next few years. So between sort of 2022 to 2026, that kind of period. Mm. And uh, that's where they're going to be staging missions to, to the moon and possibly to Mars. It's beautiful. Human missions to the Gateway, of course, are to be launched using the SLS and the Orion multi-purpose crew vehicle. Exactly. Now, this beautiful. is the only picture I could find of the DST from the outside. So uh, you can see the gateway in the background and then the little DST with all its multiple engines. So I'm into it. Yeah. So although it's it's not specifically noted in NASA plans, it's obviously got to be part of the, the mission to Mars because you can't, you can't go to Mars in an Orion. You've got to build something no. bigger, as we'll see. Um, but uh, yeah, so this will um, this will go on a 1,100-day crewed mission will be the very first thing. Now that that bear in mind, just keep that one thousand one hundred day in your head. So yes, okay. there's, there's going to be that shakedown cruise on, in about twenty twenty nine, they reckon. Okay, and that's to be performed in uh, lunar vicinity. 
Ah, so that yeah, that goes off go. for yeah for about a few, uh, quite a few months while they test it out. Uh, then yes, then there's it's gonna th- there's a few assumptions that have to be sorted out, which are what? Well, of course, deep space transport provides habitation and transportation needs for transporting crew uh, into deep space, of course, including that supporting human Mars class missions. Yes, well, that that's the big one, isn't it? So it's the yes, big one. it's the biggie, and it has to be. It, they 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 are building it at the moment. Well, they think they're not even building it. They're, they haven't even got the designs for it, really. <sighs> but yeah, but it's got to, they're, they're, the assumption is that it's got to be used three times, and mm. it's got to have minimal maintenance. It's got to be for about four crew. Yeah, and it's got to be capable of one thousand day missions and be able to be launched on an SLS. 1B cargo vehicle. So, oh, yeah, oh. yeah, and with minimal outfitting in cislunar space. So, it's going to have no that pressure. Sha- yeah, it's going to have that shakedown, and then very little has to be done to it because, of course, working on manufacturing in space still hasn't been nailed. So, that would, uh, uh this uh, now, Jamie, you're going to like this a bit of orbital mechanics. Go. I couldn't resist. There's, oh. there's two classes of mission that you could go on to Mars, really, and that's one called opposition and one called conjunction. Now, cool. here, here they are. Now, you can see, if if you go on the opposition one, you leave yeah. Earth, and then you arrive at Mars after 180 days, then you stay on Mars for about 30 days, and then get off Mars, and then fly back to Earth, and get back home on day 640. So you've, okay. you've had a kind of almost two-year out in the uh, out in the DST and but you've had the benefit of having a Venus flyby. Now you, the other version is to is to leave Earth, land at Mars after 180 days, same sort of time, uh-huh. but this time stay at Mars. So the first time they'll just stay in orbit, they won't even attempt to get down to the surface. Right. So this will be like an Apollo 8 style mission. And then they'll they will fly they then by day 730 so they're going to stay there for almost two years. They will leave and arrive back at Earth on day 910. Cool. So that is a big, long mission. And uh, But really, here's the bottom line. So if you actually work out the delta V, and we've talked about delta V, this is every time you change yeah. velocity, you need fuel. So it's how many times you, you basically need fuel. So the more delta V, if you double the, the delta V, which uh, essentially the opposition one does you have to have you have to have four times the amount of fuel huh. now now that is a massive problem so essentially rules out opposition uh style missions which means you can't have these short 600 well i say short 640 day missions you've got to go for this 1000 day conjunction class mission so that's pretty much three years um so this looks like it will be the first mission a sort yep. of apollo 8 to mars what are you saying yeah well no yeah the, it could be called artemis 8 maybe but i think nasa are already up to artemis 9 for for the lunar stuff but I and don't nasa know. already planning yes yeah, so already planning nine yeah <laughs> So it it this would probably be called Artemis 12 that's if they haven't abandoned the Artemis nomenclature I'm going to say 14 okay that's Artemis my bet. 14 Artemis 14 
There we go. It would be quite cool if it was Artemis 11, but it's, it's really more like an Apollo 8 mission because they're not going to land. So, so Matt, let me, let, me, let, me sh- let me take what you've just done and throw when and how long to. Yeah, so to you. this is a really interesting graph. I'm not, this is one of the best ways I've ever seen it displayed that shows how far away Mars is in, in certain years. In AU, that's AU down the side, so it's like 0.6 times the distance of Earth to the sun. I hope you all feel like you're in a lecture, by the way. Are you mm. sitting comfortably? You're sitting comfortably. But so there will be a test. You will notice there that won't be. 2018 and 2020 are excellent times to go to Mars. Mm-hmm. So, which of course was why there were so many Mars missions slated for these two years. And of course, unfortunately, the Europeans have missed 2018 and now 2020 as well. So the yeah. next one is 2022. So that's actually going to take a considerable amount more Delta V or more fuel to actually get to Mars now. Uh, what you don't want to do is in 2027, uh, really you want to go, the next window is this 2033. So that's probably when they'll try it. And this is all to do with the fact that Mars is on not circular orbit, but it's very eccentric. The orbit, it's, yes. a, it's a so it's got. We this, like an eccentric orbit. Well, I like an eccentric orbit, but it means it's on this. Not only do we have, it, it is are these windows opening every two years. You've got this fifteen year cycle that this means that that they're really good in two thousand eighteen, twenty thirty five, and twenty fifty. But you don't want to be doing it outside of that. It almost takes like. Uh, it takes half the energy to get to the to to get there when it's 2018 than it would do in 2027, for example. So it's a big Jeez. deal. That saves you some cash. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, this is um, this is the DS. This is what's going to happen with the DST. So it's going to carry four astronauts, uh, and they're going to be transferred to the DST from Orion. Ah, so should we should we look at that? Yeah, yeah. Go hit me. Okay, so the baseline human orbital trip to Mars is envisioned to involve a crew rendezvous with a DST in a high Earth orbit, Matthew. What do you yeah. think? Well, yes. Well, you can kind of see that just over here, can't you? This, this like, oh, just there. Yeah. We're, we're there. And so, yeah, then, then the DST is going to use lunar gravity to assist Earth departure. And, of course, it's going to do that with the help of a nice big chemical burn. Oh, not not the care. type that Loretta gave me, but uh, a rocket engine burn. <laughs> but listen, Matt, it will use solar electric propulsion to transit to Mars, but use chemical propulsion to enter into a Mars orbit. Very important. Yeah, and as we said, it's a conjunction class mission, so it's going to get into orbit around Mars and stay there for 438 days. That's 88 orbits. And the DST will depart Mars's gravity well using a chemical propulsion departure burn, but use electric propulsion to transit to Earth. Best of both worlds. It is the best of both worlds. And then, and then yeah, using lunar gravity is going to uh, get back into Earth's sphere of influence. Oh, if there's any sphere I want to be in, Matt, I'm it's definitely, the sphere yeah, of I'm influence. definitely being influenced by it right now. Yeah, for sure. And Orion will then, of course, rendezvous with the DST and bring the astronauts safely back to Earth. And now that has all taken 1,100 days. Oh, man. Oh, man. And so so an orbital mission to Mars requires all of those things to work really, really well. SLS, Orion, Gateway, and this DST. We'll cover this later, Matt, in more detail. But if we're getting a bit... 
cabin fevery after a month. Yeah. I mean, three years well, where well, you can't go outside. Well, this is the cabin right here. This is what it looks like, Jamie. This is, this yeah. is well, this is what the invi- kind of envisaged to look like. So a lot of things have to go right with this. And, of course, the really, really big one is the environmental control and life support. That's the biggie. Which is called the ECLSS, which they uh-huh. have on the International Space Station. But that has to get to the whole new technology level. So that's currently at low technology readiness level, mm. which is not good. Um, and there's just a whole heap of other hurdles. So in detail, it's, a, it, it's designed for a 1,000-day mission. Each crew member, there's four crew members, each crew member has to have at least 25 meters cubed. So they're going to get yeah. – so, so the whole – area is like 100 cubic meters so really you can see this module as being the size of say two a large two-bedroom apartment mm. much much like your house i suppose yeah i reckon? guess it is yeah 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 so yes and that, and that has to, to you know keep the the four-man crew the four human crew happy for three years and so there's going to be private and public spaces a, uh, a galley kitchen i guess medical and exercise systems and research stations to keep them busy matt when i first read uh galley i mm. read it as gallery yeah, and you then it made me like, think oh, yeah, made me think good. maybe they should have a gallery you yeah. know i mean that would be good for your mental health wouldn't it look in a bit of art yeah take take some priceless art up with you so that that people really care whether it uh, <laughs> whether it this, burns up or not, so yeah. this is the thing. So power and propulsion module, uh, which may be used as a hybrid solar electric slash chemical design, mm. and yeah. and of course you've got to carry three years worth of food, oh. <laughs> medical supplies, uh, propellant. So there's a lot to carry there. That's a lot of pizza. That is a lot of pizza. Three years worth. Uh, the DSTs uh, uh, would would be refurbished and refueled at the gateway between trips. Um, so if it's to have a lifetime of 15 years and the ability to lie dormant for three. Yeah, so all those systems have to work for a very long time. Oh, man. So the whole thing, the whole thing. So you've got the Orion capsule, about 10 tonnes. The habitat, which we're looking at now, 21 mm-hmm tons or 22 tons the cargo section will be 26 tons so there'll be another section just as big you've got all the propulsion elements that will be 24 tons the electric propulsion and the chemical element will be 16 tons so you're you're looking at just shy of a hundred tons in total this thing and how much fuel does that take well it's 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 one lot it's it's a lot it's one but it's one big sls launch actually so actually, yeah. the, the the kind of size of it actually isn't a big problem. But I think a hundred meters cubed is not a lot, is it? In fact, I mean, surely they can fit another ten slash ten and a half stone human on there. Yeah, and I could I could go up and be crew. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think I think just your humour alone will help them. So Jamie, oh God, God help them. I, I want to ask people at the end. How do they feel about that? And knowing that we've all we've all kind of been on a mission, haven't we? We've we've all sort of had a little taster of what this might be like. So, yeah. But this one, this one is probably in a smaller space. It's probably 
uh, without any decent food. I mean, how annoying is it? How many trips you have to go down to the supermarket? I keep yeah. running out of tea bags. It's like an absolute nightmare. And I get fresh food. And well, let's not forget that I think a lot of the things, certainly in the UK, that's just people are clinging on to is their hour a day that they're allowed outside. Oh, my God. You know, go going for a long run, you know, um, getting some exercise in the fresh air. Well, you know how cranky I get if I don't go for my morning walk. Oh, well, you're calling I- it a walk now. <laughs> Yeah, no, absolutely. (laughs) That's before the walk. Uh, So the, the, yeah, no fresh air, no windows. And I think the big one is like you you and I are able to talk now and we've got this Mm. nice Zoom connection. But imagine if you're having to wait four minutes in between each of the kind of answers that we're giving. It'd be absolutely horrific. Or even longer, as we'll hear. I got some quotes from Romain Charles, who, oh, man. who did the Mars 500 project, and I'll read some out later. And uh, I got longer than that oh, for, no. for just one reply. Well of, uh, co- well, of course, at one point, you're going to be the other side of the sun. So at he one said point... 34, not- he said 34 minutes was the, was the most it got oh, to. Oh, my God. Because it's 17 minutes each way. Wow. So, yeah. Oh, my God, of course. And Well, at some point, you're in a communication black spot. Would you, you be annoyed, you, Matt, you don't even if get we it were at talk- all? Would you be annoyed, Matt, if we were talking and it was 34-hour delay and I said, sorry, can you just say that again? I was, I wasn't paying attention. <laughs> no, I, if it's 34-hour, I would be. it would I be mean, even more frustrating. mental health issues. We're not talking about yeah. interplanetary. Oh, uh, my goodness. Yeah. Here we, I mean, interstellar. <laughs> Uh, well, Matt, should we look at the life support? Yeah, so this this is a picture just so I've never really seen this before, but this is what mm. the International Space Station life support looks like. Isn't that isn't that isn't that cool? That. So wow. that is um that's a big old beast. And that's nothing. So there's uh yeah, you've got rack one, the water recovery system. Uh-huh. That's the that's the smallest one that you can see, furthest away, I should say. Then you've got uh, rack two, the oxygen oxygen generating system. Well, what about taking a few spares? I mean, many of the technologies required for the DST are beyond the current state of the art on the ISS. So you know, many technologies currently used on the ISS have a two to three year expected design lifetime. So components would be exceeding their design lifetimes during the journey. Yeah. Oh, God. What did you do there? Well, I reckon that would be when you've got a system called life support, mm. <laughs> I reckon not having a reliable system is a little bit dicey. Isn't it? So, yeah. So get this. So the ISS, it recycles uh, something like uh, carbon. It recycles the carbon dioxide back into oxygen with nice. 42% efficiency, right? Oh, Okay. So that's not bad. So, but obviously they have to keep replenishing the ISS with oxygen, but mm. they try and recycle what they can. Now, this uh, the one. This one has to be at about seventy five percent recycling efficiency right. or higher. So we're talking like a major, major upgrade. And then you've got all the medical stuff. So all the kind of things that you would need. Uh, for uh, looking after yourself medically on board, they they actually think that they don't have that particular equipment because there's things like drugs that that won't last long enough, don't have a long enough shelf life for the whole mission. And well, not if you're around, no. Exactly. You imagine how much neurofen I'm going to get. Always through. hoovering that stuff up. Exactly. So if and of course, once you run out of me- uh, medical mitigation measures, 
that that's pretty much it. You are in a life-threatening situation, let alone your blooming life support packing in. Yeah, not good. So there, there's an underlying stress issue all the time as well, that you've got this one system that you're mm. really relying on. So you probably have to have a redundant system as well. So I think, I think talking, it's good too. Yeah. So Space Health, Jamie, this is, of course... Oh. Um, Who's who's that chap, Jamie? Other than it's got to be it, Mr. Kelly. I, I actually thought it was Phil Collins at first, and I thought, oh, I've, I've, I've accidentally put the wrong picture in. <laughs> I was going to say, where's the drum kit floating around? <laughs> so yes, yeah, Scott Kelly, obviously, um, a lot of research for Scott Kelly uh, when he went up, but but there's so much we don't know mm. about the health risk of going into space. But we know that there's some things that are really bad. Obviously, there's the, just all the things about microgravity. Yes. There's all the isolation-induced performance issues. Now, we'll go on to isolation much more in, in depth in, in a bit. But, yeah, all of the technologies to kind of to alleviate these are, again, at this low technology readiness level, according to NASA. And, uh, you know, there, there's all these things that they're looking into, like stem cell-based treatments, mm. uh, low footprint uh, exercise machines and all those kind of things. So if we look over the last what nearly six decades of human spaceflight, NASA has carefully set health standards for astronauts to prevent and mitigate negative health consequences. And of course, therefore, minimising the risk of death relating to space travel. I don't like even talking about it. No, no, it no. makes me nervous. But these standards are based on knowledge of more than 30 space-related health risks. And on that research, on known and potential space-related health risks. So, you know, there's a lot that they're doing. Yeah, yeah. In fact, really, if you think about it, no astronaut has died from health-related illnesses. No. In in normal space operations. It's only been accidents, of course. Normally just big fireballs. Big accidents, yeah. Uh, You know, horrific accidents. But, you know, the actual health thing, no one's actually died yet. You know that, and that's 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 great news. Um, I'm touching wood, Matt, and I don't even believe in that. You've told me about this yeah, before, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I'm no, still going to do it. I, well, I'm growing my beard as a kind of uh, like a superstitious thing, a lucky yeah, beard, yeah, lucky beard. Um, like so the yeah, it's yeah, uh, one thousand one hundred days though, Jamie. That introduces a kind of unprecedented level of human uh, space experience. And if you look at this graph, tell us a little yes. bit, bit about it. Oh, here we go. So over the course of spaceflight space flight history, humans have spent a combined total... What's your guess, Matt? Um, well, looking at that, I don't know. It looks like about 10,000 days. Oh, oh no, that's 000. trips, isn't it? Oh. That is 50,000 days in space, with only 16 people going into deep space. And the number of individuals who have spent longer than half a year in space is a very small handful. So limiting our knowledge about the effects of these stays on human health. That's, yeah, so really the amount of people who have, you know, gone deep isn't that many. No, and in fact, if you look at any of those, if you look at any of the sort of long duration, uh, anything, you know, all, all those ones that are one month to say 10 to 12 months, all Who's of, the longest? Who's who's got the who's got the record? It is Valery Polyakov. Oh, who did four hundred and thirty-eight days, but he did that on the Mir space station. Now, what is it about the Mir space station that's not really a, a good test? It, it's within mm. the Van Allen belt, so he's it is he's not experiencing the radiation. He's also able to uh, talk to his family on the phone. 
inst- yeah. instantly. You know, it's no quite- thirty-four minute delays there. <laughs> no, so there is no mission longer than ninety days in deep space planned uh, for the next what twenty years, and there's not mm. a mission other than the one we're talking about that's longer than one year in deep space. Yeah. Man, it's tricky. Or, or even one year in, in low Earth orbit. So, you know, we, we, we just don't know. So th- <laughs> this is uh, NASA's 32 key health risks with Oof. 232 gaps in knowledge uh, of of the health risk of these types of missions. Uh, I've which got mean- a few more gaps in knowledge than that. <laughs> yeah, but oh, this is pretty serious, isn't it? 1,097 tasks to complete. Uh, to think about their human research program, to to uh, yeah about humans in space. What 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 do we have to know? Well, it's thorough, isn't it? I mean, while information on the effects of radiation on astronauts in deep space is lacking, of course, previous space missions on the ISS have been useful for health risks associated with microgravity. So you know. We got some good stuff already. Well, we know from Scott Kelly that uh, microgravity changes quite a few things. It changes your cardiovascular system, which yeah. is all your heart and Tick. your circulation. That's not good. Your immune no. your immune system really changes. Oh, and actually, the immune system to the people in isolation in the Mars 500 changed as well. So it's like a it's mm. a double whammy. Uh, then you've got your skin gets changed as well. Uh, your muscular system, of course, gets changed. Your bones start to disappear. Your kidneys start to get stones in them. Uh, and, of course, the big one, your nervous system, your brain and motor function yeah. and everything else starts to get damaged. Now, that that is bad news, isn't it, really? So it's it's obviously important that they're working out. Is it twice a day on the space station? Yeah, I think they have to they do have at to least do a, a, Is it two hours? They do a lot of working out, but still their bone... To build that muscle that they're yeah, losing. Yeah, but they still lose it. Like the bone mass still goes down regardless of how much exercise oh, they do. Well, and you can okay. see it when they land when they land back down on Earth. They can barely walk. Oh, you know, you no. know it's, it's like, oh, you know, they, they have become pathetic. I mean, let's... So should we, should we have a little look at mental health yeah, as we're touching on that? Yeah, the mental health, I think. I actually think mental health is the big one. I think mental it's health huge. is the one that kind Let's of, yeah. cut down to what we've all probably been feeling a little bit of. I think everyone's uh, felt a bit of this in isolation. Uh, the University of Hawaii, with funding from NASA, completed a 365-day isolation experiment in August 2016 to better understand the potential issues associated with isolation during a future Mars mission. Yeah, so that's the high seas mission, isn't it? So that yeah, yes. that was in, in Hawaii. Yeah, uh, but what? But one of the things that we can sort of use are things like um, uh, research in Antarctica, which I actually uh-huh. think is probably more useful because there's something about the Antarctic missions. Of course, you you genuinely are stuck out there. Right, so and been, you can't. You probably can't go for an hour's run every day. No, you definitely can't. I mean, it, it is pretty inhospitable. But you can get help. You know, there, mm. there are you, you are able to get the military are able to get stuff out there and rescue them if they really have to. Is uh, that where the thing was filmed, Matt? Yes, was absolutely. Yeah, yeah, great yeah. film, great, amazing film. Shout out to the thing. Uh, of course, you've got uh, uh, the Mars five hundred missions. 
uh, yes, which we'll, which talk, which we'll, we'll touch upon. We'll touch yeah. upon, yeah. Uh, and and there are a lot of isolation experiments going on in that. So there's lots of insights into the group dynamics, uh, social behaviour, behaviour in isolation, um, and some of the things that you can do to intervene to make it uh, better. But yes. let's face it, 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 none of those, the high seas Antarctica or any of that, really have simulated the conditions of this 1,100-day mission. Right. Because there's no hope of rescue or resupply. There's huge communication delays. And I think the worst is that no sunrise, no sunset, and the Earth is just barely visible in a in a. What would you miss hole. most, Matt? And we'll ask this to people listening in now. What would you miss the most? I think I would miss... I know that you're by the coast. You'd miss a good sunset, wouldn't I'd you? I'd definitely miss a good sunset. And I'd miss, I'd, I think, listening to the birds this morning. Mm. It was it was absolutely beautiful. And, and I've got the sun just sort of pouring in through my window right now. I'd miss that. I mean, it's it's yeah. just it's just too and surely much. Surely the Ilfracombe fish and chips, the famous oh, fish and chips. I cannot, I cannot... I mean, you couldn't Ilfra- get a quick battered haddock on the on the mission, could you? No, I, I was talking to an American the other day, and um, uh, they, uh, in fact, it was Stimson, wasn't it? He actually said oh, yeah. that uh, when he was over in England and had fish and chips by the sea, he suddenly mm. realised why the English like fish and chips. So, to all our yeah. uh, American and, and other foreign listeners, we haven't gone mad. Fish and chips is genuinely nice in England when you try. Yeah, it by honestly, the, by the coast. don't. Diss us. We do have great food here, but fish and chips yes. are the best in the world. We challenge you. Yeah. Um, our, our person who's uh, from Washington, I forget your name, but, you know, let us know. Is fish and chips in Washington any good? <laughs> and and next time you're in England, please let us show you. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. I, I will buy you fish and chips. Come to, There we yeah, go. And we can, uh, we can watch the ISS go over from, from, now, from the capstone. We absolutely can. So let's talk about Mars 500 because we, in podcast 89, Matt, mm-hmm. had a lovely chat with Romain Charles. No, Romain. And, uh, you want to give us some details and then I'm going to read out some um, quotes from that very interview, which I think you'll find interesting. Yeah, well, this I think this is probably more pertinent than the High Seas mission. I think it's yeah. much more about a journey to Mars for a start off. They, they actually mm. thought about the whole thing. So it was uh, an experiment uh, that was funded and, uh, uh, and conceived, I guess, by the Russians, the European yeah. Space Agency, and the Chinese. So it was a big three-way collaboration between the three of the biggest space agencies. Uh, and yes, they, they looked into, into, into really looking at some of the effects of, of a trip to Mars. So mm. they ran this between 2007 and 2011, uh, and it was located near Moscow, uh, the Russian Academy of Sciences. Uh, and, yeah, an entire mock-up facility of the spacecraft, an ascent craft, and the Martian surface. So this was actually yeah. a simulation of not this Apollo 8-style orbital mission, but the 2040s mission that would come after. Right. And uh, it was a 520-day mission. So actually, more like the conjunction class rather... No, more like the opposition class rather than the conjunction class experiment. Uh So, yeah, what? so when Roman was on, remind me of some of the things he said, because it was a fantastic interview. So 
here's here's a good one. Purpose. So per, starting off, the purpose of the mission was to simulate a trip to Mars and try to answer the big question. Is man physiologically and physically able to endure the confinement of the trip to Mars? So, of course, you know, that's the that's the big thing. You know, if we send humans on this trip, can we do it? He went on to say, like in real life, we all had our ups and downs during the 520 days. But luckily, as a team, they were not all at the same time. So we could help each other out. I never felt like I really ever wanted to get out of the module, but he says he does remember having dreams of sneaking out of the module and checking his emails, etc. Oh, yeah, I remember that. Yeah, the dreams. Yeah. The dreams was a funny one. I and I'm, you, you know how you feel after a dream as well that sometimes mm. it stays with you sometimes for days. Well, I said to you last week, didn't I, that I woke up imagining that this whole COVID thing was just a was just a dream and that I could get on the train and go to work. And I realized very quickly that no, this is real life, as I'm sure he did. <laughs> he went on to say that 5,000 people applied in Europe um, and then they had to have a couple of interviews and of course a very deep medical tre- check um, and then training for three months before they whittle it down to four candidates and then down to two. Oosh. Oof. Yeah. See- so... Yeah, I think this is this is like a big one, isn't it? Before mm. you even go to Mars, you've got to be the right personality to even have a oh, chance. Yeah. But how do big you time. write the psychological? How do you write the psychological tests for something that's unprecedented? Well, he said that they had over a hundred experiments we had to do, focusing on our cognition, interactions, and our mood. Lots of questions on sleep. If we were talking with each other normally and lots about their dreams, he said, I realised after if there was a real trip to Mars, I would personally have to have hope of a return trip to make my duties worthwhile. I think that's a huge one, isn't it? And I think that that's what a lot of people would feel, that maybe they'd be happy with a two or three year trip, but really only if they knew they could come back to a real life. Oh my god! Can Earth. you imagine if you started out on a one-way trip like Mars One was, Oof. and then you suddenly thought, "Oh no, I don't I, like this anymore." I've just, what have I done? I've just lost all hope. It would be absolutely smart. Ketchup's yeah. run out. Yeah, that that adds a whole new sort of emotional element to it, doesn't it? Well, the ketchup, or well, yeah, I mean, yeah, well, the ketchup runs out. How do you have your frozen potatoes? <laughs> oh, no, you've only got HP sauce. Oh. So last quote I've got here, Matt, is he said, because you asked him a great question of, you know, what, obviously there's a big difference, isn't there? Knowing that deep down, this was a simulation. So there wasn't any big risk and that he that you could get out if you wanted to. And he replied and he said, we didn't have that risk um, that real astronauts would have. Um you know, what does being in a sealed tin can for a year and a half do to cr- a crew of people? And uh, and on that aspect, they did have meaningful results. Yeah, so, and, and actually, yeah. one one of the amazing things was that they actually they actually got on really well, didn't they? They they, yeah. they actually finished the experiment. They all hung out with each other. They hadn't had any fallings out. That's true. So, and he said that they were playing cards. I said, you know, we were asking them about you know, what they were doing to keep their spirits up. Um, and he said they were playing cards. What was the computer game? I think they were like, there was like a Battlefront <laughs> game or some uh, shoot em up that they were that they were loving. Oh man, yeah. uh, computer games would definitely be really useful, wouldn't they? On 
I think virtual reality is the one, isn't it? That that's the thing that, oh, that I yeah. think seems to be the sort of thing that would be just so useful. Absolutely. But I wonder, well, we, we 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 had that very evening, didn't we, Matt? About mental health on Mars all those years ago. Yeah. And um, that was one of the things that we put forward was virtual reality, and, rain sounds. Yeah, and, I think that's what really helped Tim Peak, wasn't it? He, is running along to, uh, you know, the Scottish Highlands and and stuff like that. I think we actually ended up with virtual pets, like they have in that's true. Japanese old people's homes. Yeah, the little seal. The little seal. Yeah, little little AI seal. So caring for someone else. Yeah, caring is always for very good. Um, yeah. We've got some details of the uh, got some details of the trip. Oh, yeah. So it was three Russians, two Europeans, and one Chinese uh, astronaut on the trip. And they basically, they simulated the entire entire mission, really. Mm. So we'll, we'll, I don't think we need to go into details. You kind of can see it from, the, from, from, from what we were talking about. You know, the first Absolutely. few days getting over to Mars, staying at Mars for only a few days, then getting back into your spacecraft and going back to Earth. So, um, but here's something to really uh, get your uh, eyes around. This is what the Mars 500 uh, site looked like. Now, mm. I don't know about you, but that definitely looks bigger than 100 cubic meters. Yes, so, just a touch. So they've actually got five modules. Mind you, there's six of them rather than four. And actually, who knows what difference that makes having those extra two crew members, whether that actually oh, yeah, kind of really affects things. So you've got different modules. So you've got a 50 cubic meter module, which is the Martian landing module. That's that one, at, uh -huh. which I'm assuming is this one at the end, perhaps. Hmm. Then you've got the one the the 100 cubic module. So that would be the one that... Um, is like the one that uh, you're supposed to be staying in. So maybe that's this fella here. Uh-huh. Uh, or no, maybe it's not. Maybe, who knows? Maybe it's that one here. But uh, yes, you've got, the, you've got the, the 100 cubic meter one, which is only a two-berth living quarters, kitchen, diner, lav, offices, and medical. Then you've got the 150 cubic meters, which is your six living quarters, living room, kitchen, diner. So I, I guess that's this kind of area here. Uh -huh. Is their equivalent of the deep space transport system. And then you've got this enormous 250 cubic now meters food storage, gym, and greenhouse module. Oh, the greenhouse. Oh, that would be a big thing, wouldn't it? Go and see some plants. Yeah. You know? So I wonder if that... must be another big thing. Yeah, I wonder if they'd have a greenhouse module in the in the storage container. I doubt it. I don't think, just don't think it's going to be that sophisticated. What's that incredible sci-fi film where he takes a greenhouse into space? Uh, cool Runnings. No. Is it Cool Runnings? No. Oh, is it called Runnings the Bobsleigh one? Yeah, yeah. Oh no, yeah. Jamaican Silent Runnings. <laughs> Silent Runnings. Silent Runnings. Oh yeah. Anyway, yes, yes. Well, there's there's a few, isn't there? It's also in Sunshine, isn't it? Oh, okay. uh, yes. There we go. Uh, so yes, uh, yeah. Um, do you want to hear how what their regime was like? And actually, oh. I wish I'd seen this a month ago because I think I might have stuck to this. You might have done this. So let's start off with sleep. Eight and a half hours. Pretty solid. Mm -hmm. That is solid. Um, Period after sleep, one and a half hours, including a one hour for breakfast. So that's all right. That's great. This is very French. Uh, daily operating meeting, half an hour. Preparation for work, examination of the facility, familiarization with the timeline of the day, one and a half hours. And then on work with the system, 
two hours. Implementation of the scientific experiments, four hours. It's a biggie. Mm -hmm. Lunch, one hour. Physical trainings, one hour. And personal time and supper, four hours. So that 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 does sound like a pretty decent day, isn't it? I, I actually and it's especially decent when you're eating because you finish your meal in about three minutes, yeah. don't you? So, so I'd have a, you'd I'd, have loads. I'd have of three time. hours, fifty-seven minutes for personal time on Call of Duty. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> perfect. <laughs> exactly. Oh yes, I, that, I I really like that. I might actually I might actually make my whole routine exactly like that. I like your work with the system for two hours. Makes it sound oh. very dark. It's very 1984, isn't it? Yeah, so we've got a little lonely astronaut here, and it's uh, there oh. was. Uh, <laughs> this is to represent the psychological uh, experiments that they were doing. So they were looking at uh, sort of three main areas uh, uh, that they needed to investigate, and that's the support of psych- your psycho-emotional state. Uh huh your general and professional psychological working capacity during 520 days of the ex- expedition, uh, mm-hmm. the support for efficient intergroup interactions. And bear in mind, it was a multicultural crew as well. A couple of Russians, a couple of Europeans, and, and a Chinese, poor Chinese dude, you know. Yeah. Uh, interaction of the crew with the control centre, as well, over over duration autonomous flight during increasing communication delay. Mm. So yes, so lots of psychological support, and and uh, they use the same methods that they do on the ISS, and and that essentially that's books, films, music, the news, <laughs> and yeah. stuff like that. So that's that's the kind of psychological the support, um, and also taking into account the sort of crew member before they left they would sort of give them stuff that was really meaningful so that so Mm. they would spend a lot of time choosing the things that would be really helpful for them once they were off uh so one of the things that they were very pleased was was the uh, the fact that that the selection process had obviously worked really well because they they hadn't there hadn't been any massive uh, conflict situations um, and uh, no one had to get involved from the ground. So it's not like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, the mission control didn't have to radio and say, remain, wind your neck in, mate, or anything like that. Yeah. So that's that's pretty impressive. And uh, the crew just like uh, really bonded very well. And there wasn't much to say about the cultural differences either. And, and they seemed to be able to... Uh, leapfrog that with ease and uh, get on with their uh, activities and they always communicated in a friendly manner and they always spent time together and and they and they would do lots of lovely things for each other like surprise birthday parties and and holidays and halloween and things like that i think that's the big thing isn't it making those normal things continue so it is possible to notice that the crew members somehow increased the time spent on individual activities that does not hamper communication. That's key. There is not any division of the crew on language or any other interests. Uh, also, the commander has the authority and is both formal and informal leader. Very important. Each crew member is regularly operator of du- on duty, uh, working at the main console, EU-150, that allows to learn some types of works. Uh, that are on board engineers' functions. So again, very important. Well, yeah. So yeah, they managed to just keep going. So mm. 
yeah, it's it basically they stuck to what what psychologists thought that they were going to. So it, this Mars five hundred was actually really good news in terms of of how things were going to work. The one thing that did concern them was things like sleeping. How do you get into yes. sleep? And it, uh, uh, Diego Urbina was one of the other ESA Marsonauts, and uh, which is what they were calling the Mars five hundred Marsonauts. And I like it. Uh, yes, he said. Uh, uh, although there was an issue with sleeping patterns getting out of phase, it is amazing that the human body can adapt to total lack of sun. <laughs> wow. I don't know what accent I was going for in the end. I, I, I liked it. Yeah, I don't know what it was. Uh, Jamie, this is the inside of High Seas. Here we go. Now, High Seas, again, was really successful, but of course they got to go outside and wander around, a bit like we do. What wasn't successful was uh, was um, future high seas missions that almost ended immediately when someone got injured, and I guess that's because someone got an electric shock off something within the uh, in this dome. Yeah, and that was it. That was the end of the experiment. You know, it was just like only a few days in. And it was all over. Ouch. And you think, God, if that had happened in real life, it would be doomed. And this is the British Antarctic Survey. And uh, yes, obviously, a lot of stuff has come out of uh, of that, of those, of, of looking at how people cope with being there. And uh, I love the look of that. Oh, though. no, that is That's great. Cool, it's isn't a it? very, very cool building. But yeah, ma- imagine how isolated that feels. Yeah. Not sure I'd want to spend three years there, though. Well, or the, or the sort of three months in utter darkness. Or three months. Yeah. yeah. Good call. <laughs> yeah. Or six months. I mean, you'll, you'll be there for a long time, I guess. So, yeah, there was there, there's, there's things that happen on those. And I love this quote. It says, just as it may take a village to raise a child, it, may, it will take the entire crew to successfully conclude a long-duration space mission. That ah, everyone yeah. basically needs to be at their, the top of their game. That you can't just yes. have individuals working for themselves. This is like a group effort to get everyone through. Absolutely. Now, isolation is that I think is is the one that could go terribly wrong. So, this is a quote that I saw by a chap called James S. House, and it says the magnitude of risk associated with social isolation is comparable with that of cigarette smoking and other major biomedical and physiological risk factors. However, our understanding of how and why social isolation is risky for health, or conversely, how and why social ties and relationships are protective of health, still remains quite limited. Incredible stuff. So, you know, well, let's look at it. Let's look at isolation start with among the elderly, Matthew. Mm -hmm. I mean, social isolation impacts approximately 24% of older adults in the United States, approximately 9 million people. That's a lot. That's a lot. I wonder what the figure is in this country. I should imagine it's very similar. We, we, I reckon it probably we is. Treat our, I think we treat our elderly very similar in this country to uh, America. And I know it's very, very different in other countries where, you know, you stick your old in old people's home here and then they sort of get lonely, don't they? Whereas in... Well, it's in older adults, it's associated with an increased risk in poor mental health and physical health. And the increased mortality. I mean, we're all going to start thinking about it. Yeah, and and, and isolation as well with with people. When if people feel isolated, you get this kind of 
higher blood, higher blood pressure, high cholesterol, stress goes through the roof. High cholesterol. High cholesterol. Uh, stress goes through the roof. And you and this is the big one. Your immune system starts to get yeah. weakened. And we've talked about this before. Viruses that you've had before, like chickenpox, mm. they can escape the prison that they're in and you can and you can get them again. And it comes out of shingles. So weakened immune systems is never good. So So for everyone listening in, uh me I was trying to get Matt to make me feel better about the situation. And then he told me went on to tell me about how things like chicken pox lives in your spine and can break out as an adult and give you shingles, which is obviously life-threatening. So thanks for making me feel better, Matt. <laughs> so who knows? You know, you might you might have a similar sort of situation with COVID-19. <laughs> oh, my goodness. I don't think oh, so. I don't think it's that type of virus, but it might be. I think there's very little known. But what? But it, it's, it's one of those things, isn't it? Uh, uh, some of the astronauts that are heading out on one of these Mars missions might precisely mm. have, have had ch- chicken pox, and then suddenly they're breaking out in shingles on one of these trips. This is what we've got to think about. But isolation itself, you know, it, it, can, it, it has... They know, scientists have known that isolation causes adults to become depressed. And, and when you get depressed, you actually seek isolation. And then you mm. get into this spiral of becoming more and more depressed. So it's very, very hard, isn't it? It's one of those things where, where once it starts to happen to an astronaut, they could go downhill very, very quickly. Mm. And we've only done experiments that last 500 days. What would a 1,000 days look like? I mean, that, yeah. that is, that's the one that I'd be really interested in. So when they do this mission, this is going to be the first time they're going to try it. It's going to be like, this is the first time we've ever seen anyone go a 1,000 days where it's them on their own. It's just mm. crazy. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah. Uh, I, I thought there's one, one last thing that we should talk about, and that's solitary confinement. Yes, absolutely. Because what happens? What happens if the other members of your three other members of your crew die, and then you're on your Oof. own in solitary, yeah. essentially? Now, solitary confinement we know is incredibly bad for you. You know, it's uh, it it causes people to often commit suicide or self harm. You know, it's it's really really horrible. You know, this is something mm. that's just about as grim as as it could possibly be. Humans do not like being completely isolated. They don't. I mean, if you look over time, Matt, hmm. something less obvious but a bit more insidious happens because, of course, solitary confinement requires people to learn to live in a world without people. And that's the big thing, isn't it? It's a denial of meaningful social engagement with other people. So to tolerate that, you begin to structure your world, your psyche, around not having the presence of other people in your life. That's a big one, oh isn't it? Oh, my God, it sounds Then horrific. other people start to become immersive stimuli, uh, stimuli sorry, uh, to you. Um, you've been isolated for so long, your social skills just begin to just drop horrible. I mean, as you mentioned a while ago, Matt, lots of prisoners... Have uh, have told how they feel uncomfortable around people after being locked away in their cage. Yeah, so I mean, so maybe there might be some horrible long term neurological damage to people that have been isolated in that kind of way. So it, it, Let's it, hope it, not. it it's not might not be just a short term depression thing. It might actually after a thousand days of it, yeah, might might be pretty pretty grim. So this is yeah. it. But hey, we're going to end it on a positive note, aren't we, Matt? Yeah, so in fiction, in fiction, in films, Jamie, 
I yeah. thought that that with that they have t- they have touched, haven't they, on this these these feelings of isolation. They have one of my favourite ones, Matt. As you know, is I think in Interstellar where somebody pops on the headphones and it's just the sound of rain because mm. the guy's feeling a bit down, feeling a bit homesick, and we miss stuff like the weather, don't we? Uh. But what about Solaris, man? Oh, Solaris, yeah. So, or Adastra. Yeah, well, Solaris, of course. This is the the picture here is the Russian original, but the the yeah. remake is very, very good. Yeah, and I agree yeah. with you on that one, Jamie. It's it's often poo pooed because it's like, how dare they try and do something on the. No. But uh, yeah, Solaris is very much about that feeling of isolation and starting to see things that aren't really there. There's a great. We actually did a podcast with the director of the stage play for Solaris. If that's that's a nice listen, it deals with those concepts. But I really yeah. liked. I um Ad Astra. I had mixed feelings about that film, but the, the, yeah, but we weren't sure about the voiceover. I want it. It's it, it, in the words of uh, Peter Griffin. It insists upon itself. so yeah no ad astra was uh the really interesting bit in ad astra is that you've got this really stoic badass brad pitt character who's a bit Mm. like john young his his heartbeat never creeps over 80 no matter what kind of space mission he's on this is it but he starts to lie about his psychological well-being and one of the reasons why he's doing it is because he doesn't want to lose his space mission and that's a very interesting point that a lot of American astronauts from the kind of right stuff era weren't open about their mental health issues. So there's no. there's a lot of this window of opportunity to see the stresses caused by spaceflight in some ways got a little bit missed. And the Russians actually were a little bit more open about about their the stress and, and the horrors of 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 spaceflight. And as as we as we said earlier, you won't know until it actually happens because it's impossible to simulate the fear, the loneliness that a real mission would would portray. My goodness, yeah, I still want to go. Oh no, absolutely. <laughs> Send me up. Yeah, yeah. It's it's funny, isn't it? I I think when you're older, it might be it might be better. If you're younger and you're being and your body's being bombarded with radiation, it's you haven't really got much of a hope. <laughs> You've just got to live a, a long life with all these space scars. But maybe when you're older, it's not such a problem. Thanks so much for having us. It's been really, really fun. We should do this again. Um, and if you've got any questions, uh, Matt's going to give you uh, our website of where to go to. We, we'd love to hear from people. And, um, you know, where should people go to, Matt? www.interplanetary.org.uk a massive shout out to the space store who've been real great supporters yes of ours. thank you so much guys Legends. so yes awesome awesome place if you haven't been to the space store what are you doing when it get yourself down there yeah well, unfortunately we're, we're all still on our trip to mars but just imagine that it's like going to mars yeah you could you could actually you could you could uh, role play the whole thing pretend that you're on the trip now and then when you get to the space store I'll ask them for a Mars simulation. Job done. Thank you, everyone. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Goodbye. Bye-bye, Smart Cats. Bye-bye.